This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 181. I am your host, Matt Lyons. In this week's episode, talk about the draft and all the multiple uh, pitchers that Cleveland picked in the first 10 rounds. Talk about Oscar Mercado, who seems to be improving since he's came up to replace Josh Naylor. See if that's real or fake, or just generally what that is, what's going on with Oscar Mercado. Talk about Fran Mo Reyes. He's also back and hitting big dingers. Um, no matter what, we know that's real because he's Fran Mo Reyes. He is a very large man. He hits balls very far. And we asked everybody on a poll, since we were technically at the quote-unquote halfway point of the season with the All-Star break, what grade everybody would give them. Um, we'll give ours and kind of review what people said uh, about the about Cleveland, where they are right now, eight games back on the White Sox, a little further than about a week ago, but it's where they are now, so we'll talk about that. Uh, joining me for that more on this is Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? I'm very well, Matt. Thank you for asking. It's very hot where I am, but other than that, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, it's very hot everywhere, I think. I think everybody's, I think literally California's burning again. It's just kind I think of... they were saying, yeah, state of burning. it was 130 some odd degrees in Death Valley, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> What was that, four degrees off the highest temperature ever recorded? Something like Ever. That? Anywhere on yeah. Earth. Yeah, so that's pretty good. We're doing, We're doing great. great. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling strong. How are you doing uh, baseball-wise, man? I know you were you were on vacation last week, but... I was. I really took the right time to take, <laughs> take a week out and leave the country, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Picked a good time to not watch a baseball team either, because it, uh, no. it was a rough came, one. Yeah, I finally came back to a couple walk-off home runs, so that was pretty cool. Pretty good timing, I have to say, and... uh and then it's a bludgeoning of the hated twins. So feeling pretty good about the whole the whole prospect of where Cleveland stands as far as long as I'm in the country. Yeah, they they have not been swept by the Astros when you've been in the country. So just don't ever leave again. Exactly. They've never gone on a nine game losing streak while I've been in the country, have they? Actually, they have. Probably. Oh, I'm sure oh, they have. Some I'm sure they have. They were really bad for a long time there. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they were great, but they not not recently, not in this uh, decade. They haven't. We'll go with no, that. no. They've, they've, Almost positive they didn't lose nine games in a row often, last year. Matt, they did the exact opposite. Was they win nine or twelve or fourteen or twenty two games in a row or something like that? Just random numbers off the top of your head there. Yeah, just rattling them off. Just popping in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> and of course we are at the. Uh, this is the the halfway point, uh, a little over it technically by by eighty one games, but the ceremonial halfway point. ceremonial halfway point. Yeah, so we're at the All Star break um, now. This year, MLB has kind of squeezed everything into one uh, weekend, which I think, but I think it's kind of cool the way they do it. That now it's instead of just the home run derby, and the All Star game, they also have the futures game, the draft, all this stuff is just crammed into these four days everybody's watching baseball and i think it's really cool i don't know how much of the draft you watch but it was i watched it on espn and it was identical it felt exact same to watching like the nfl draft which yeah yeah, even, I watched a little bit of, yeah yeah even when i went like through streaks of not watching football i still watch the draft i don't know why <laughs> like the nfl draft is just fun for some reason and this felt exactly like it. like i don't know if it was mlb asking espn to put so much effort into it or is ML, espn themselves just doing it but Compared to where they were a couple of years ago, just having it in the back lot of some MLB Network studio, that was, and now they're in this giant um, stage and everything, and all these graphics, it was really cool to watch. Um, everybody's excited about Pixar; I think it's cool. And um, yeah, did you watch any of it? And did you like it more than the weird back alleyness of the last few years they had? Um, I mean, I like the I like the energy of the old older days, where it's in like a conference room at a hotel somewhere <laughs> in like Omaha or something. I like, I like that energy. So anywhere between that and what we had last night, I think was um, um, I, I don't like anywhere in between, right? Like, like you said, with the weird back alley stuff, or just being in like, in like studio, whatever the hell, random like number. Studio yeah. forty two is that what it's called? Yeah, they're probably not that one. They're probably like 
I don't know who, what was Ramiro Mendoza's number. They're probably in, in, in that studio or something like that. So they couldn't even get the, the A studio, but yeah, it gives it more energy and, um, you know, they having it cause they had it at Coors field. Um, just having it there. You have fans are there. People are excited about it. You know, I, Baseball wants to do something about making itself popular still, and despite the fact that you know certain talking heads think that it's, it's only a certain type of person wants to watch baseball, there are a lot of people who want to watch it deep down. And it's a fun game, and making it accessible and interesting and fun, and building hype for the future. Honestly, having having the ability to have the minor leagues and being able to build hype for several years should be looked at as a benefit for Major League Baseball, and that should start with the minors, right? Like you think oh, about definitely, yeah. You think about the NBA. A guy gets drafted and like. Unless he's like one one and like a super, you know, a, a, he's going like you know a LeBron James or a Zion Williamson type. He's going to be okay for a few years before he really pops. Um, you know, guys like uh, Jason Tatum, I guess, just to pick a random name out of the hat, or a better one would be, I guess, would be like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was like you know good but weighed like eighteen pounds when he was first drafted, and now he's a monster. But that took like almost a decade, so. This should, this should be an opportunity to build hype, and I think they did a better job of that this time around than they ever they ever have, honestly. So yeah, yeah, I like the just the idea that they're taking their prospects here. I think it's cool. They I think they leaned on the excuse that nobody cares about prospects and they're too far away for for way too long. Like it, even before this year, for I, I would say like a decade, people have really cared about prospects in the draft more than I think baseball acted like they cared about it. And yeah. now it's cool that it kind of matches the energy of how many people care about this kind of thing and all the stuff you read about it and watch it. Like it's, it's just fun. But, and with like things like, you know, obviously with social media, like, I mean, specifically like the pitching ninja uh, account. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know who, the, who got the guy who got picked first. I have no idea who he is, but like I knew who the two, the two pitchers out of Vanderbilt were. I recognized some of the pitchers names because I've seen their dirty ass curveballs and stuff on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know who some of the other guys are because I don't follow college baseball that closely. But certain, certain you know, there's definitely a, an, a, a grassroots upswell of people paying attention to this sort of stuff that I think uh, baseball as a you know, major league baseball as an organization would be um, well placed to take you know kind of at least grab a hold of and see if they can't use that to their own benefit because even if they're going to screw over the minor leagues and ruin it as they have already. It's still an opportunity to, and always has been, but to build a, a broader fan base and build hype for the future. So, yeah. Uh, and that guy that Cleveland picked uh, first overall, Gavin Williams, out of um, East ECU. Carolina, ECU. Yeah, yeah. I Pirates, actually watched. Baby. <laughs> I I just watched him because I don't watch a ton of college baseball, but I knew the like you said the Vanderbilt pitchers, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. So I watched the the Super Regionals with them in ECU, and I actually ended up watching Gavin Williams dominate <laughs> the the uh, Vanderbilt lineup, and then still lose two zero. So he'll fit right in with Cleveland because he's gonna strike everybody out. Uh, I think he had thirteen strikeouts that game, and still lose two zero. So he'll be he'll be right at home in Cleveland with the offense. But he's just, I mean, he's a guy who can hit hundred. So that's another thing you need for him. His big thing is he kind of lacks a third pitch. He's kind of like. Um, a right-handed Sam Hentges at this point, and if I would hope he ends up being a lot better than Sam Hentges has been, but because <laughs> um, his fastball seemed like it already plays better than Hentges has done. I mean, he already hits 100. Um, he sits 94, 97. So he's another big arm Cleveland drafted, and, and overall in their first 10 rounds, they drafted I think what was it nine <laughs> nine college pitchers in a shortstop. That was that was their entire draft. You could say they have a type, which is kind of interesting. The second guy, Doug uh, Nikhazy, who's basically like a starting pitcher version of James Karinchak. He's a ton of energy, low 90s fastball, oh um, a curveball slider. He's, he looks exactly like Karinchak, and he, on the mound, he's just screaming and fidgeting. And oh, that's another thing. Tommy oh, yeah, Mason that guy. Sure, control. okay, yeah. Another guy I recognize now from um, from the Pitching Ninja account. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a guy yeah. who is definitely... 
Total nut job. Got yeah, I love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I joked on Twitter that it's kind of it seems like Cleveland's strategy is to draft guys that pitching ninja talks about all the time, and, and I don't hate it because it's easy to find highlights of them, so it's nice. Um, Tommy Mace, they got third with a third round pick, four to pitcher. I, I think they got him sort of a steal. They was thought to maybe be like a high second. Almost first round pick, he improved his curveball and changed up over the summer. But the only non pitcher they got was 18 year old shortstop Jake Fox. That's also the only non college player they got. So they've had success with college pitchers in the past, and now they're just kind of going all in on it. I don't know if, I mean, the draft is kind of the thing you take the best player available, but when you end up with nine starting pitchers that are all college pitchers, it seems like you're kind of targeting something. Um, and I think it's worth noting that this is how in the MLB draft, you don't draft for need like you do in the NFL or NBA. If you're just missing a quarterback, you draft a quarterback. This is a case where because you have the minors and all this stuff, you kind of, if you're drafting for any kind of need and not just going plus best player available, usually you're fixing something in the lower levels of your minors. You're not, they're not going to draft an outfielder because their outfield is terrible right now. But um, in the lower minors, they have all these hitters um, who are, who are mostly international free agents they get and they bring them up um, through the Dominican league. And then they come up through the system there, but now they got these pitchers. I don't know if they've, they've seen something that, I guess that I would assume that they they'd prefer more polished arms and they feel they can get more out of raw bats is kind of what they're going for because they don't want to take these risks on arms. But also we haven't seen them quite pin out many of these high upside bats. Um, I think in a couple of years we're going to start seeing where this strategy that they started a few years ago is going to start getting into the majors. We'll see if it really works. Um, they traded for Owen Wilson, of course, or Owen Miller, but uh, that didn't quite work out so so far. But I'm interested to see where all these guys like Tyler Freeman, I think will be the first real test of the strategy of getting more raw bats and then polished um, arms and seeing how it works out. And, but yeah, any thoughts on just the, the first 10 rounds you've seen from Cleveland, the second round we haven't seen yet by the time this podcast comes out, it still won't be because it's I just kind of go, yeah, just kind of go through the results. Obviously it's, they've, as you mentioned, they've been very much all about for years now, honestly, going after college level pitchers that they can kind of, hone a certain aspect. You know, you kind of go through some of these guys, you read the breakdown of guys like Williams or Nikhazy or just um, big arms and things like that. You, they, maybe they can figure something else out. This uh, that other guy, Tommy Mace, they, they talk about how his spin rate is very good here in the MLB.com article, but um, breaking pitches, things of that nature. You wonder, because um, like pitching in college um, is, you, you, you read like things from like guys at driveline or uh, like, Anyway, a lot of the people who like study pitching and, and like pitching development, pitching is really top level um, uh, colleges. Um, oftentimes, like the development and the the way they do things is much more advanced and much more forward thinking than uh, even Major League Baseball is today. Right? Like they, they were much more on the cutting edge and much more fo- much more like with the, at least certain schools were at least uh, with like the idea of the things that we've come to expect as regular now, in, as far as training and how to build up uh, velocity and arms and arm speed and, and work, working with like the, the hyper slow-mo cameras to build pitches and things like that. Like the, the reason it was so hard to buy all those, what's the name of the camera, the spot track camera or something, whatever the hell it was called it was hyper slow-mo cameras for a long time was because colleges were buying them up because uh, it can be such a big separator to be a small to medium sized school, or even it can be a big deal for a, for any school to be able to turn a, a young guy into a great pitcher. It can be, you know, a, a dominant college pitcher can be absolutely dominant like you'll get the numbers of some of these guys uh like i think it was gavin Williams had like a 188 era or like kumar rocker had a bad had a comparatively bad year in his senior year and he still has like a 230 era or something like that like they, they absolutely obliterate people and so maybe I, it's just a thought i had just going through some of these guys like maybe cleveland recognizes this as like these guys who recognize who, who are already 
you know, 90% of the way there and they just need an extra little push or maybe they don't even need a push. Like they're already like halfway, most of the way there to being a good pitcher now. Oh yeah. And you get them after what is essentially like four years of development, which is probably not far off what they would have gotten in the minors. And you know, they're healthy when you draft them instead of drafting like a high school arm who might break down in two years, they've already gone through that and you've seen them stay healthy, which I think is what Cleveland's going for. He's like, you look at some of those guys from years past where like college kids, you could throw like a hundred miles an hour, but their mechanics were just like, you're like, Oh God, the arms falling. Literally it's coming off now. It just, it just popped out actually just now. Like, whereas these guys are like, again, going into these programs that are great, like historically, even if they don't win championships, like they're good historical base. Like Ole Miss is, a, is historically a good baseball school. Um, ECU is pretty good um, historically. Like, you know, they're at least known within their conference. And he really, really honestly, like anywhere in SEC baseball, it's probably the best uh, baseball conference out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I you, you, and you mentioned also them trying to fix something in the in their in their system somewhere. I mean, they've been running through they've been running through pitchers in, in the majors this this year. And it's like like you said, you don't draft for need in the major league, in in the major league baseball draft. You get guys who you hope can help in two or three years. But um, pitching is always going to be the most important thing. And like they've Cleveland knows where its bread is buttered, so maybe they just know that getting guys who they can get to the majors in two, three years, uh, well, and they'll be 24, 25, they'll be, A, valuable, because they'll be, be approaching their physical prime while also being well-polished, and so they could be traded for bats or whatever else, or also they can just help the team, so. Yeah, and, and even, like, in their, their mid-level domain, is that, like, Josh Wolf is down there, Daniel Espino, um, Xavier Curry, so they're not even lacking, like, anywhere in the mind, even with all these guys they brought up, and most of them haven't looked I'm exactly dominant, but they're they're still not sin out anywhere in pitchers. I don't think it's just kind I of. I wonder if they're gonna run out of space eventually. <laughs> like that's, that's one of these things where you're like you just have like 14 pitchers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good problem to have, and you don't have any fillers down there. Which I would assume. I mean, you got some. You always have some at every level who just kind of guys who you know aren't gonna contribute, but you kind of fill out your roster. The the fewer of those you can have, the more real prospects. I would assume that kind of is the reason they're in this roster crunch. They will be before next year. All these guys are going to be Rule Five eligible. So. Um, but that opens them up to to being able to get like some kind of small trade at this trade deadline or or whatever. But it's always good to have more. Um, I, I would assume they can fit them in somewhere and make them play shortstop. Whatever, <laughs> just yeah, make them a two way player now. You're just you're an outfielder now. Get out yeah, there. Yeah, put in, listen, hey, in order to that guy in on why can't you hit some dingers? Just like not a lot, like ten, yeah. twenty. Maybe, <laughs> we don't need whatever. that many. We're not asking much, and then just strike yeah. out twenty batters. That's fine. It'll be fine. Just you'll you'll be, you'll be great, kiddo. We believe in you, and you know what? I think believing in man, that's what it is. Believing in people is more important than talent, oftentimes. There you go. That's that's what it comes to. I guess speaking of believing in people, Oscar Mercado. He was. Mm. Um, don't mention the segue, Merritt. It was a good one. Don't ruin it. I agree um, with you. I'm nodding. I'm nodding <laughs> in agreement already. I'm calling out my last article about him. Just re- thinking about how many times I've written about how good he is. <laughs> but that was kind of our, our idea for discussion with him because he's promoted June 28th. So that was the last time we talked. He replaced Josh Naylor after his ankle injury, um, who's obviously since then we found he's going to be out for quite a while. He's going to have surgery. I, I think he already had surgery to replace it. Now he's just healing. But Oscar Mercado, man, only 35 plate appearances, but he already has two doubles, a home run, two stolen bases, um, slashing 281, 343, 500. He had two three-hit games already, one against the Astros and one against Kansas City. So he is, I mean, I don't know. It's just good to see him go on a streak, whether this sticks around or not, but it seems like since his first opening salvo of 2019, where he looked really good, we haven't seen him be this good even over this small stretch. So, yeah. Um, and for this team that needs an outfielder as much as they do, it's it's nice that he's that he's here, um, hitting the way he is. And I was looking at just trying to find anything 
because obviously like the the doubles and home runs don't matter over 35 plate appearances but i did notice his hard hit hard hit rate is up it's 43.5 be a career high and he doesn't have a higher average exit velocity so i think just kind of trying to read between the lines of what he's doing i think unless just weird small sample size this is that he's making a lot more better contact and not swinging just wildly as much he's not making like the occasional 118 mile per hour contact but also swinging so hard at everything and whiffing on everything Um, because he's not swinging missing on sliders as much as he did before either which was something that killed him last year so i think in general there is kind of some signs you can look for early on that he has maybe a little bit better plate approach i mean this could also just be the pitchers he's faced it's only 35 plate appearances we have to keep reminding everybody of that but this is something where whether it sticks around or not he's been good over the stretch which he hasn't um for a long time and i know you were thinking of uh, writing something about him so I mean, is there anything that you've seen that you hope is, is sticking around that he can change or or what? But this is Oscar Mercado, I guess we could say they've needed since 2019, and, and we're finally getting it from him. It's funny. You look at it like, I mean, even if you lump it, like you just take the last two years, which is a combined 48 games or something. Yeah, 48 games and 20 plate appearances, and he's still dreadful just because of how bad he was last season. Like he was, I mean, he was really bad last year to the point of, what, what is it, a negative five OPS plus? Uh, for those of you who want at home counting, looking at our bet plus, it's a <laughs> negative fourteen. So yeah, uh, man, that, that adds the context so much better. I wasn't sure with WRC plus, but when you throw our bet in there, <laughs> don't worry, it, he's yeah. double bad. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, but this year, well, not so much. It's that's the way one thing. Know. I mean, I mean, he's pulling the ball more, and like, that could be a thing, right? He's pulling the ball more, and he and he's locked. And I think his line drive rate is up. His fly ball rate up is up as well. Again, we're talking about. Uh, not a whole, you know, 35 plate appearances and like how many batted ball events, even not all that many. But sometimes that's just what it takes is just pulling the ball more. You 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 just figure out that you – at the end of the day, what have we learned in the last decade, right, is hitting the ball harder is better. Um, he's not fast enough. He's a fast guy, but I don't think he's – like he's not Billy Hamilton fast where he can just turn every single ground ball into a defensive base hit. And as we've seen anyway, Billy Hamilton is not a valuable player. So um, if he can be – some semblance of what he was in 2019 and maybe a little bit better. That'd be great. He's already off in terms of his career wins above replacement. He's already offset his last year um, in his, in, in a third of the time this year. That's how good he's been and just how bad he was last year. <laughs> yeah. That alone is remarkable. That he's already I know. Right. He's, 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 he's zeroed out his 2020. <laughs> so, you know what? I think that's something we, we all wish we could do too. Just zero out <laughs> zero that entire year and move on. So, <laughs> and he's done um, it. So there you go. Like with so many people, I, I think binning 2020 um, is is the right idea, and just looking at the improvements he's made in the way he's doing. Um, I, I think it would, it would behoove any of us to go back and maybe watch his approach a bit more. But like he's walking more, he's taking a good amount of pitches, he's not striking out as much, and again, he's pulling the ball more. I don't know. Um, this is a guy who has been given every chance. I mean, he he keeps on getting a little bit lucky to get an, an extra chance here and there. The team keeps on believing in him. Um, they must see something, right? Maybe they saw something in his work at the at the, new, at the alternate site last year once he got uh, booted booted down there for another, what was it, 24 games or whatever it was. I think this year uh, they just saw that there was nobody else out there. So well, just I, I, at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah, we, well, yeah, we, we basically just have a series of corpses in the outfield now. We can just try this, and maybe it'll be good. Like, And you know what? Maybe it's a hot streak. What, what's his Babbitt right now? Like 364. Like, fast guys will do better. With, 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 we'll have naturally higher batting average balls in play, but... Do you want to know what his is this a typo? Hold on. Tell me. Tell Don't me look at typo. it. But do you know what his expected Woba on contact is? No. So maybe he isn't making good contact. 
Oh, all right. Well, that's Hold good. on, I just want to double check and make sure it's not a typo on Fangraphs. <laughs> oh, it's uh, no, it's three forty-four. Okay, it is. Yeah, never mind. On Fangraphs, it's point zero zero three. <laughs> like what that can't okay. be right. That is, <laughs> this man is yeah, the luckiest man. Like, good. Yeah. I mean, so no, that, he's been be... fine. I mean, that's basically what he was. That's exactly what he was in 2019. So, and I forgot he had 15 home runs a year. I've always just envisioned him as like a slap hitter guy, but he had 15 home runs in 115 games. That's not bad. So, I want him to get back to that and and striking out 17 percent of the time, like he did in 20. Like that 2019 player, if he's that, even even with the bad, like a 96 WRC player who hits 15 home runs and and doesn't strike out. It's a two and a half win player. Back. I mean, right, that, yeah. that was you know that, that's, that's that's a guy who you can count on, right? That's a guy who's just you you have out there every day. You're not, you know, that, that's our classic monkey's paw. What we as Cleveland fans are running to, where we're just like, just give us an average player. Here you go, idiots. And we're like, oh, this is actually isn't as fun as we hoped it would be. Um, but yeah, like I, honestly, like with his defense and everything else, like honestly over 162 games that would be a three-ish win player almost and yeah, that's I mean, the kind of guys be. you need down in the bottom of the bottom down in the bottom of the batting order to build off of and to kind of stretch out lineups and help you win and i and i don't think he's ever going to be a star but i think he could be that kind of player and he's 26 like i don't think he's this good i don't think he's a 126 like ops plus kind of a guy uh but i think he could have a 780 OPS, something like that, you know. That seems fair. I mean, they've got plenty of time to, to figure it out. They've only got one option left. So, did they... No, they would have used one already. So, he probably has one for next year. So, I mean, they're not quite at the Jake Bowers line yet where they have to, to figure it out with them. So, I, I would assume he gets next year to work it out too and then we see. But, as I mean, there's still just no depth in the outfield, even up higher. I guess until like George Valera gets there, there's something. Oscar um, Gonzalez just got the AAA, so maybe... A year or two, he'll be there. But I think just based on circumstance, he's going to get more chances. And, and and like you said, he always gets these like streaks where I mean, twenty nineteen that was that that first half was a good enough look to give him a chance through the rest of the season and even to start twenty twenty. And he was so bad in twenty twenty that he just couldn't do it more than I mean, almost played forty games still in a sixteen. I know season, he played over half the season, and he was so <laughs> goddamn. He had a one seventy four on base percentage and a one seventy four slug, <laughs> so it was not a good season, but. I mean, this year he's playing well enough where this is going to give him this gives him a lot of leash at this point. I mean, the season's half over and he's he's one of their best out hitting outfielders. So I'm sure I can't imagine anybody comes up. And I guess unless Nolan Jones comes up and they put him in the outfield, but that doesn't seem likely at this point. At this point, that's not happening either. Like we're 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 halfway through July. Like I don't know. And he still hasn't played much other than just third base and first base in the minors. So I'm not. I don't think that's happening. But I mean, Daniel Johnson. If uh, we talked about that before too, that clearly I think. I think anyway, they just don't see. They see something in Daniel Johnson where they know it's not going to work out. Otherwise, they would have. He'd be out there starting every single day like they did with Owen Miller. Um, there's not like an aversion to giving these young guys time. It's just that I think they see something in Daniel Johnson. It's like, no, this is not going to work. <laughs> and we sort of saw a glimpse of it in his five strikeout game, and I'm sure um, something's going on there. But I think Mercado's going to get a pretty long leash. I think Zimmer's leash is probably almost done. Um, Bradley Zimmer's, and then now that, especially now that Harold Ramirez and Eddie Rosario. Um, at least for this year, unless they trade him at the deadline. There's at least a little bit of a log jam now with guys who are, I mean, Eddie hasn't been very good, but he's at least looks like a major league outfielder occasionally. So, yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a more more group. And I forgot Jordan Luplo even existed, and he's hasn't been playing forever. My so. God. <laughs> there is outfielders, just not great so far. But. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're just on the DL is the issue. So, yeah. Remember Ben Gamble? I was just looking at him up. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he get two more months for the Pirates in a game a little while ago? Uh, I think I so. Yeah, it made us all feel bad. Yeah, I think no, all, he's you know, terrible, though, so it doesn't matter. Luckily, <laughs> he's bad. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, 
other guys on the DL, but but coming off, we talked about in our last podcast, we were just looking at the exciting prospect of Fran Mill Reyes and Roberto Perez being back. Um, one of them being back in the lineup, one being behind the plate. Um, but Reyes is back. He's at the plate, and and boy, is he at the plate, man. Already <laughs> 10 for 31 since he came back. Three home runs, nine runs batted in. Um, I think we were both excited about him coming back and what he do for the lineup. I don't know that we saw him being back like this like this is this is just Fran Mo Reyes he's back and better I wonder if he's seeing these you mentioned it the last time that he's, he's seeing these balls that aren't spinning as much as they might have been <laughs> he just came up to this new world of, of mashable balls and now he's here hitting these these huge home runs what is it uh, you know what I'll look at right now real quick uh, while we're in the midst of this podcast is what his minor league numbers look like and see how they change <laughs> because like like you said like his entire career has been encapsulated by purely uh, more and more sticky stuff on balls. It's only become more and more hard for large guys who are free swing to hit. But like, God, he had so many home runs in the minors. My God, <laughs> I keep like you. I don't know. Like he, since he came back, three forty five, three eighty seven, six ninety. I mean, just mashing baseball. Although I looked at it honestly, and even accounting for all that, even May, for, even from May third on, it's like a nine. Oh yeah, it's not like OPS. he was bad before he was injured. So oh no, he, like, yeah. he was awesome, and he got hurt. Like we're sad now. We don't have we don't have him anymore. No, but he's been absolutely otherworldly, and he just he's he, he had a walk off home run. I mean, uh, he's very strong and big, and I don't know. He, I, I, I he ebbs and flow. He's an ebb and flow guy. I think we all we all understand that, but I think that with everything not spinning a you know billion rpm he's, he's still going to be taken advantage of by great pitchers and it's just going to happen but that's what happens with guys who are you know guys like this but i think that maybe this is more of what we can expect more in the one maybe not 144 ops sort of a ops plus kind of a guy but like 130 you know um i don't think he's going to hit 48 home runs like he's on pace too since he came back Oh, that'd be so good. But you know, <laughs> I mean, he hit cool thirty-seven too, right? in twenty nineteen between two teams. So, oh yeah, I mean, I, I would I, not I, doubt him reaching forty at some point. Oh yeah, I mean, probably not this thing. year because he missed so much time. But like, I don't know. He gets on our hot streak though. You know, he just starts hitting dingers left. Like, he, I, I think he has what fourteen right now. Yeah, fourteen yep, home runs. 14. I was only his 14 walks, which is pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's not so. too far off his rate anyway, but that is less than he's, he's done. He struck out more than usual. But I mean, I, th- I think he has a ch- like, If he finishes uh, 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 July with 20 home runs, actually, I think, I don't, and which is something he could do, right? Uh, as it heats up more and he just continues a hot streak, which yeah, is three home runs a week, he could do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think he could hit 35 for the season. That's, I think that's a very feasible number. 35, well, if, 40. If he's at, oh yeah, if he's at 20 by the end of the month. 20 by the end of the month, and then yeah, he has two, oh, two months, months to hit yeah, under 15 sure. home runs. Yeah, I assume I think, cold streaks in there somewhere. Yeah, 35. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm sure he'll fall into a pit somewhere. And go, who's this large man? And what are they doing, friend? <laughs> me? No, um, <laughs> that'll happen eventually. But oh yeah, but but yeah. maybe the thing is, maybe it won't because like yeah, he's yeah. been better at not. Chasing pitches he can't hit, and uh, he's been better in so many different ways than he than he has been. Yeah. Um, he still strikes out a shitload, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he's pulling the ball more. Which again, like Oscar Mercado, is just kind of a thing where that helps you get more power, and that's what he's doing. It um, did you happen to see that game where he hit the walk off home run? Oh, some of it, yeah. Oh, that whole thing was so good because they. Dude, uh, his bat flip was the sickest bat flip yeah, on earth. So good because <laughs> it, it came. They walked Jose Ramirez to get to him, and he said after the game he was just hoping that they would do that because he wanted to go up there, and of course he did, and he, he crushed the damn ball. That was God, he's so cool. Um, I mean, him and Bobby Bradley flipping the bat. Oh, that was a really good one. That was. I so like good. Bobby Bradley's okay. It was much more understated and like, like, very matter of fact. Like screw you guys. <laughs> See, I like those. I either like those or like the Rugnado door where they use their momentum to flip it. Those are my two favorites. Either like a. 
a stern throw or like you swing and then as your bat's coming back you just sort of like springboard it i love yeah those. i'm more of a woo um, and kind of throw it up in the air like uh, Fred Beal did. <laughs> you know like uh, um jose bautista kind of thing where you yes 100 yeah. <laughs> percent but with less anger there's more of a joy to the way uh, reyes does it than, than the oh, abject yeah. no, fury. I, I like anger too i think bobby bradley's joy as well but yeah um and Bobby Bradley too. Like I mean, we've talked about him so much at this point. I didn't. I didn't include him again. But but we love uh, him. But anyway, he's, he's also our he's favorite. He's slowly becoming my favorite. One of my favorite players. I mean, he's has one forty three WRC plus already, and we're, we're thirty one games now with him, Merritt. So this is not. It's still small, but um, this is not a nothing for Bobby Bradley so far. What Ten home runs already. A lefty, a lefty, and a right-handed version of the same batter. Like, great, we're, they're going to strike out 230 times at 45 home runs and be awesome, and we're going to love it. Every minute of it, will we love it? Well, I mean, right now, Bobby Bradley, 11% walk rate, 33% or 30% strikeout rate, like that. If he does that forever and hits this way, I'm, I'm good. I'm in. Oh yeah, it is, <laughs> this it is, is what is, I. Yeah, I will. I, mean, I will buy stock in Bobby Bradley. <laughs> yeah, and I, there was a, a stretch where I think he's starting to. Um, I, I think curveballs and off-speed pitches are definitely a problem for him, but he also he still hits the ones he gets when he gets those pitches. He's going to crush them. I hope he doesn't turn into a guy that only sees um, curveballs and changes. He's hit a couple of them at least. I don't think he's hit any home runs off him yet, but it's there's potential in in this lineup. When you get Bobby Bradley, Fan Reyes, Jose Ramirez, it, it kind of sucks they ran out for three names there. But there's there, there's momentum in three names of this lineup. And then you got to fill the gap. And I mean, if Oscar Mercado is at least oh, Harold average, Ramirez, like you said, did you say him? Harold already? Ramirez, I did yeah, not. Harold Ramirez. Harold. We, we love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big uh, Harold. I think he's slowly gotten worse, but he is there. Is that him calling right now to call into the show? That was him saying, "Hey, you forgot about me." <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's kind of fallen. And it also sucks that Ahmed Rosario, on that same note, has has completely fallen off a cliff. Like, if those two were there, you've got you've got almost half a lineup of good hitters, Merritt, which we haven't had for a while. And then piecing it together. Up. You know what I mean? Like I, I read that article about Ramirez, Harold Ramirez a couple weeks ago about that exact thing. I don't need guys to be stars and we need to, but they're putting it together. And I, I think that's, um, that's a, that's the thing we're all kind of hunting here. And I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Ramirez, Harold Ramirez has really fallen off too hard. He still has a, he's still an above average hitter. I, I didn't expect him to be a superstar forever. But. Yeah. I mean, he's fallen off the, like the superstar level he was at. So he's oh, back. Yeah, I think no, this is yeah, what he can be. Where he's yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, what is it, like a one, what is his, what is his 110 WRC one, plus. Which, yeah, one, 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 fair, uh, yeah. 121 RBAT plus. So, yeah. Oh God! <laughs> there you go. Um, Thank you for that. Oh, well, I could have a one twenty-one. That's way better. Oh, Maybe I know. do like Arbat more. I don't there know. you go. See, bud. There you go. All right. R O B A is three sixty. So there you go. Yeah. God damn it. Um, I didn't know he didn't strike out that much. Like he's not a. I guess big he's kind of a guy. swing at every guy. Yeah, big contact. Yeah, guy. big barrel guy. Big, big, big burger. Kind of a big barrel-shaped barrel guy. Um, kind of a yeah, you know, kind of a, a Michael Brantley without the uh, without the walks and also with more exit velocity. So. This is completely a non sequitur, but I didn't realize. Like looking at Shohei Otani in the pictures, he is barrel chested as hell. When you look he at him like huge, at a certain dude. angle, he I feel like when, he, when we saw his, up. yeah, he, he is he is jacked, and I get why now he he hits the dingers and he hits a hundred, um, which is remarkable. But I mean, Harold Ramirez is our personal barrel boy, but Shohei Otani is also very barrel like. Um, I feel like we've kind of slipped into the the conversation anyway, but. I mean, before the Shohei Otani thing, but talking about um, the fact that we're at the halfway point of the season and, and all these guys coming back and Cleveland sort of piecing together a lineup, just kind of bringing it all together in in a first half grade. Uh, I asked on Twitter to let ask people what they wanted at covering the corner. Um, I said, we're at the halfway point of the season with the All-Star break. What grade would you give Cleveland for the first half? A lot of people said Bs, 54%. So almost everybody said B. Thanks to Twitter's only four options. I had to do A, B, C, and then D or F was the last one, which I think at that point, if you say D or F, it's basically... 
the same thing anyway. Yeah, you're saying they failed, they're terrible, but not a lot of people did that. 2.2%. I thought we'd have a more um, nihilistic, is that the word? Nihilistic following than we do. But it's kind of cool to see that. I mean, we had 400 votes and, and most of them said B, which I think is fair. I would assume most people are going by the, um, somebody said it here, um, at Red Dead Redhead. He said, youngest roster, lowest payroll, devastating injury, still winning record, solid B. I would assume that's the thinking of most people is that they've they've overcome all this stuff and they still are not, I mean, they're, they're close to out of it now with the White Sox being eight games ahead, but they're not completely out with everything that's happened. And um, and I feel like if you're going to grade the first half of the season, you kind of have to separate from the fact that the, from the off season. So it's not like you're grading the, like, this is what they have. You can hate ownership and not putting money into the team, but grading just what they've done on the field, all the injuries, um, as far as grading the players and the managers and all that stuff. Like, I think you're, you're allowed to give them the benefit of the doubt. They didn't ask to have a payroll with nothing and not get any help, but they, they were injured and they, they overcame it. They didn't have any pitchers. They've been doing whatever the hell they've been doing to make it work with pitchers. And they're still, what are they? 42 and or 45 and 42 still a winning record. Um, they're, they're only so far back from the white Sox cause they got super hot and they're a really good team. But, um, and I think losing fair. streak didn't help either. I, that, that old nine game losing streak was not, was not good, but then also the three game winning streak at the end also kind of, yeah, a little no, bit, I don't so. take that too. Yeah, I feel like that's what happens when you're not a team with with Shane Bieber and, and Aaron Saval. You're going to have these big swings back and forth. Um, Zach Plezak coming back should help that a little bit, but we're still going to have these big gaps where it's four games in a row with just a bunch of whatever you can fit in there. J.C. Mejia trying to figure it out. Um, Eli Morgan with a changeup, and then Cal Quantrill maybe a starter, and he's just kind of there. So we'll be in for a few more streaks, I think, one way or another. But, um, yeah, what would you give your grade for, for Cleveland in this first half? Uh, do you agree with the, the crowd and the B or, or something different? I don't know. I, I, what, I, what I wanted to do in, in the run of this was kind of look at – also, I'm just looking at the, the opening day roster, <laughs> the opening day lineup, rather, for Cleveland. Um, no, they're not, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're starting center fielders in the 60-day DL. The guy who pinch hit for him is not, not on the team anymore. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario is on the DL now. Uh, Fremont Reyes, who missed a, missed a month and a half almost. Josh Naylor, who's out until next year. Yu Chang, who, uh, whatever. Uh, and then also Jake Bowers, who's on, who's not on the team anymore. Roberto Perez missed like a month. And Andres Jimenez has been sent down. And then Shane Bieber is um, on the DL. Uh, that doesn't even get in the other pitching injuries. It, it, I have to say, it is honestly amazing that they are have a winning record. And, well, not, you know, in it, not out of it either. Like, they get to play the White Sox directly another you know, handful of oh, eight times or something like that, probably. So, like, the, theoretically, if you really wanted to, you know, shoot the moon, um, it's still in reach. Uh, you know, the, the White Sox aren't a perfect team. They're flawed themselves, and they're pretty dinged up and seem to be cursed in some way or other as well. But, no, it's it's truly amazing, I think, um, that they are as, as, as far ahead or, or are where they are as much as they are because, like you said, coming into the season, I don't know what general expectations were. I think seeing that the, the majority was um, – or have a given a B rating is fair. Um, whatever. I don't know what expectations any of us really had of the team because we didn't know what the hell the team was. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think they were pretty low. I don't know. Yeah, if they were that exactly. High. So like the fact that I don't know. I, I think either deep down, I think you and I even mentioned it. Like the ceiling of this team was probably like a 92, 93 win team, and like we're more staring at like eighty seven wins. Which you know, which is what basically what they're on on pace to do now. What like what they're two games over five hundred. You, you stretch it out to whole season that's four games over 500 so that's 86 wins right that'd be 84 wins i don't know whatever 
over however many games. Right? Are, whatever, you know. <laughs> that was well, quick. Yeah. Well, no, I think just, you're right. You know, that's, that's yeah. yeah, it's something like that. But um, yeah, we go three hundred, five hundred. So whatever. Um, saying how many over uh, a know, high eighties win team, I think is what they're. Yeah, a high eighties win team, and like with a little more luck, and they're going to get better at, in the second half of the season. Like the other pitchers are going to come back, and I don't think it's wrong to say that um, they could go on a good hot streak again and, and have like a. 12 wins in 15 games, kind of a stretch that kind of coincides with a swoon from the White Sox. Like they, they, they get to play bad teams too, right? Like they have, I don't know, they, they get to play the central still. They, they have a run. I'm just, just glancing or they have a run here in the middle of August where they played Detroit, Minnesota, Los Angeles, and Texas. Um, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a, that's a bunch of wins you could grab right there. And they play Boston. Who's good. Then Kansas city, Boston. So, Long story short, like there's definitely room here for them to pick up some space between them and the uh, White Sox, or just you know whatever threaten and, and give us a fun run at the end of the season if they make the playoffs. Cool, if not, well, whatever. I mean, it's been an, an interesting cool. season. Yeah, yeah. so that's the yeah, It's it's the lower expectations have helped. Um, I mean, the team was miserable over that long stretch, but like coming into a season with low expectations and overperforming them is infinitely better than having high expectations and, and not meeting them. Like what the Yankees are right now. Like they're, I think they don't have that many more. I just had it and then I closed it. They're, 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 they're basically 46 the same. and 43. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're virtually the same. the same, but look at the difference between <laughs> how Yankees fans are reacting. They have a win, more, one more win than Cleveland, but their, their entire world is on fire. Because yeah, they're, they're, they're burning down. They're, they're, they're marching on the Bronx right now, setting the entire place on fire. So <laughs> yeah. And then that shouldn't excuse, I mean, Cleveland from what they did in the off season with, which is not adding anything to this roster. This is what we saw coming because it was, it was very obvious, but, I mean, it's just a thing you got to separate between. I mean, the players didn't ask for for what they were given, and, and they're they're doing what they have with what they can with what they have. And, um, and I mean, the the division might be slowly getting out of hand. Although they play the White Sox, like you said, a couple sweeps there, a couple good series, they're right back in it. But they also are only like four and a half out of the wild card, which they play a couple of these teams um, coming up too. So we haven't seen this team since the wild card was introduced since like 2013, right? Did they? Because they lost that one. Yeah, and then ever since was then, ever no, since they then, didn't. No, because the Twins won the division one year, and then they, I think they lost the wild card. Well, they just didn't get the into the playoffs that year. <laughs> that was oh, 2019. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I think okay. they've only been the wild card once since it's been around. Okay. Um, yeah, like you look at. I mean, I don't want to look, look at records in the middle of July, but like they're two games back in the loss column of the Athletics, and the Athletics have played more games than them, and they're one, and they have one less loss than the Yankees, and the same number of losses as the Blue Jays. I same record as the Blue Jays too, so like, they're they're in it. They're just not, you know, um, a you know leading horse. Um, yeah, and I think it also. Yeah, yeah. They also speaking of the the Athletics, because they played a lot more games than Cleveland because of all these rainouts. But Cleveland's going to play a ton of games in September, so even if they are a few games behind, they're going to have a chance to make it up. I, I know at least one is against the Royals. I think there's a couple Twins in there. I think there's a doubleheader against the Twins, which yeah, there's a random Royals game stuffed into one of these runs here. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the one on Sunday was rained out, so that's going to be in, in September too. So they're going to be playing some potentially bad teams unless the Twins turn it around, which right now they are 39-50. and 50. They are an absolute trade. Uh, that was another good example of having high expectations and not meeting it. Like The Twins, have a, they're on fire over there as well, so um, that's one that Cleveland, they're going to be able to make up some ground playing those teams later on, hopefully. And um, I, I guess just hope they do. We get to chase down another team. That was fun in, in 2019, was it? Where they were chasing down the Twins. They didn't quite make it. I would love to see them chase down the White Sox and actually surpass them. If they do that, if they if they make up the eight-game losing, uh, eight-game deficit with like a 
a big winning streak and a, a two out of three against the White Sox a couple of times, it's easily one of the the most fun regular seasons. If they do that, if they don't, like it's been kind of just meh. But Tito gives the finger to the crowd. And <laughs> Bobby <Chicago>. Bradley flips <laughs> that into the moon. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if the, if the starting pitchers come back and that fixes everything magically, if Roberto Perez gets a little more healthy and can actually hit, then, I mean, if they have a legit team, that's that's pretty fun. Then They probably don't even have to trade for anything because Blake Rand wrote today, and I think I agree with pretty much all of it, there's no reason for them to do a whole lot. They already, none of the players they have are are payroll trimming worthy. They don't have like these big contracts. Jose Ramirez is dirt cheap unless they, unless they really don't see a window in the next two years. They don't want to trade him at the last minute like Lindor again. They're not going to deal him, so... I don't think we're going to see a big addition at the deadline. We're not going to see a big loss either. Like you trade Eddie Rubens-Arthur or Cesar Hernandez. They haven't been fantastic. So whatever. But I also don't think you'll find anybody who wants to take them. So they'll probably just keep them and then we'll get the pitchers back. And that's basically our quote unquote acquisition of the deadline will be, will be pitchers. But And that's the thing like with the deadline coming up too, like trading, nothing that they have that's valuable to trade would bring any additional value this year for trading it next year. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Joey Gallo, they just said at the Home Run Derby, he's going to be traded. So, I mean, get him over here. Whatever you got to say. He's an outfielder. He has a ball quarter mile. He's going to be around next year, too. He's going to be around next two years. But that's the thing. Like, you trade Jose Ramirez. Like, you're not going to get anything extra net for him for having him for, what, three, 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 two and a half years to a year and a half. Because that's just not, that's just kind of baseball value isn't linear. Someone was talking about that. I think it was Jeff. Alice was talking about that on Twitter. Like, there's no the linear. There's no linearity to value of of pitchers. Like, it's like you know, like they trade if they traded uh, Shane Bieber this year. It's like, what more are you going to get for him if you did it next year or two years from now? Nothing. Literally nothing more. Zero more. Like, but isn't the the only thinking there is that you get him for more playoff runs, right? So that's the only thing I heard that I thought made a lot of sense. Um, I, I heard that in relation to Francisco Lindor. Like, you're basically trading him. Because the team's not going to trade for a player if they're not going to be in the playoffs. So you're basically just trading X number of playoff series for the players, I would assume. No, that's right? fair. But like, you, but like, if you have a guy like, you know, like, for instance, Shane Bieber, where I, I think even after this year, you're going to have three more years of control, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's not a big difference between three and there's, four. Like, so. There's, yeah, like, there's, like, there's no, even two versus three. Like, in terms of the actual value, like, they're not going to give you their entire farm system. They're not going to give you, like, nine players, like, a team's not just going to gut itself to get one pitcher. Like it's yeah, those, know, those times have passed. Those times have utterly passed. Other teams are not stupid, and they also value these players as commodities that they value with you know they, they assign a certain number of value to. So I mean, except maybe the Mariners. Just trade always trade with the Mariners. <laughs> you, you're always oh, sure. going to win those. I'm sure he just wants to trade. Um, I I still think the the thing I've seen the most not it's not just because it was on our website, but <laughs> Chris Davies wrote. Um, his idea of trading for John Gray, who is purely a rental at this point, he came off an injury. Um, I think since Chris has written this on June 24th, Gray has come back and looked pretty good. So maybe this wouldn't work anymore. But his idea was to trade like a couple of these extremely fringe 40 man roster rule five guys for him. And then you alleviate the uh, the problem of the, the roster crunch coming up. You maybe lose a guy who might turn into something down the road, but probably not. And then you get John Gray for half a season. And if, th- if this is the year you get into the playoffs, like, and you're really good, and you also yeah. didn't lose a whole lot. So I think this is the year it makes sense. It's kind of backwards. Like, this is the year it makes sense for Cleveland to just get a rental because they're probably – it's not what people are looking for anymore. It used to be there, like John Gray, a pitcher. Oh, boy, we'll trade everybody for him because he's a starting pitcher and we get him for half a year. But now it's – they want these guys who who have multiple years on their contracts. But, like, 
it might lead to someone like John Gray or another pitcher who's coming off, um, who's just a rental you could get for virtually nothing. And it makes sense for Cleveland, who has no pitchers, even when they're back, they're still going to be pretty, what's the word, undepth, shallow, is that the word? Shallow. They're not going to have there very many go. starting yeah. pitchers. Yeah. There you go. Undeep. Um, so, undeep. <laughs> That's going to be the name of the episode. Is that, um, and, and John Gray would help that. So, I mean, I think, I love the idea of, I haven't seen any other trade ideas for Cleveland that makes more sense than, either doing nothing or trading these extreme fringe guys for someone like John Gray, because you're going to be able to get them for virtually nothing. And I've basically hyped myself up to get John Gray before the deadline or I'm going to be sad. So that'd be fun. And you know, yeah. And you can maybe keep, keep, keep him around. Convince him of how value, how, not, how living in Cleveland is just like living in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> I do miss the idea of rentals though. Those are always really fun for me. You and know, then, I mean, listen, we got the CC like CC Sabat. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. you know? That was the like best. the idea that you trade this this one superstar for half a year and he gets to go to this other team and and carry them to the playoffs and like it just doesn't happen anymore as often. Or like always... Carlos Beltran when he was on the yeah. um, the Astros. No, I think the Astros was after that. Maybe that I think the Astros traded for more than one year. That wasn't just a one year rental, was it? Because he had a lot of time to work in his cheating um, scheme. No, yeah, so that's what it was. Because he only he had this little run, but then he, he was a dynamite in the playoffs. Is what it was, yeah. But those kind of guys are fun. I, I, Cleveland never really got him. I mean, I guess they sorted. Of Jay Bruce was one. Um, that was fun. Um, that damn catcher who sits on the mattress and I always make fun of him for. It. I can't think of his name now. What? <laughs> the one who declined the trade. Who they oh, got twenty six. Luke Roy, yeah. John and Luke Roy, yeah. That that was almost one they did. Um, that was almost fun, but like. The bigger one there was getting Andrew Miller for multiple years. So there's just something weirdly unique about getting a guy who you know is not going to be there long. Then you end up with like CeCe Zabathia on the Brewers or forever ago Kenny Lofton on the Giants for half a season. I just saw a video about that because yeah. um, Dusty Baker's kid got drafted and, and Lofton was in that highlight. Every time that comes up, I'm reminded that <laughs> Lofton was on the Giants because he was rounding third base. In that he was club. everywhere, man. He was. I, I, yeah, Carlos Beltran played... <laughs> Astros for the playoff runs, 12 games at eight home runs. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I wonder how we got all those home runs, Mary. Do you have any idea how we, uh, no, no the ball no, hard. Yeah. No, uh, no trash cans anywhere. Uh, so. That was in 2004 before trash cans were invented, Matt. Come on. <laughs> I think he was doing it, but he, he knew about that back then. What are you talking he about? Knew the, the, the tra- they had trash can technology in Houston back then. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> I forgot he was on the Astros all the way back then, too. I was thinking yeah. of his, his more recent one. When he was no, no. Oh, clearly he was trash Astros. Cans he, was he, he, was, he was a double trash can man. I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, yeah. He went for the Mets for a while. He was all over the place, but. Um, yeah, Mary, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, we got some home run derbies to watch. I don't know if you've been watching it in the background, but um, I my, my phone started making a bunch of noise, so I turned it off. Actually, <laughs> all those dingers were making dinger noises on your phone. Um, Joey Gallo hit a bunch of, of, of fat dongs, though, so that's pretty good. <laughs> um, if you haven't already, you can leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to the Covering the Corner podcast. Um, search us, leave us a review, let us know. That you like the show, follow us on Twitter at Cover the Corner. I'm Matt R L Y. Merritt is at Merrill Lynch, like Merrill Lunch with Lunch. Um, find us on Facebook, Covering the Corner, and of course, CoveringTheCorner.com. And uh, that'll do it for this week. So, talk to you next week, Merritt. Have a great one.